at CIL Church. Uh, man, I, I'm, I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, everybody ate a lot, I'm assuming. Yeah, some, sometimes that's why we're quiet, even the Sunday after. Um, it's just like, dude, I'm still getting this off my chest. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to move right in today because I don't want to waste any time, and, and I'm notorious for going too long. So uh, the title of today's sermon is this, uh, What Are You Waiting For? What are you waiting for? Um, and I know this, as we come up on Christmas, uh, we, we probably in this room even and, and watching online, uh, we probably have some serious gift givers uh, who just love, like you love to bless people and see people's face when you get them the gift that they were waiting for, you know, like there are just certain people who have a, I call it an anointing on your life to give, to give people a good gift and you're excited about it. And man, I am that way. Uh, I love to see people's face. It's not that I give like the best gifts. I just... I just love to give the one that I know is going to mean something to them. Uh, when, they, when they open it and you see their face change, see their eyes light up, uh, and there's something about that that's really special. Uh, and that reminds me of something else about me uh, that might not be uh, as pleasing, but it's this, that I love to surprise my wife with any gift at any chance I get. And you're like, Josh, that sounds good though. Well, I don't think she likes it though. So that's the problem. She doesn't, she doesn't really like being surprised, but I like to surprise. It, it's, it's really fun for me. And some of you are referring back in your head to my last message, which was about me wanting to scare my wife. Um, these are different surprises. These are different kind of surprise. I'm not talking about the same one. The other one's jumping out of corners. This one resides in a box maybe. Um, and so hopefully this one is better for her than the other, uh, but both bring joy to me. Um, so uh, what's funny about this though, is I, I've realized, you know, it really doesn't take a big gift for me to want to surprise her. Like, so one thing she loves, she loves jujubes. Does anybody else love jujubes? I don't even know where you buy them anymore. Maybe Walgreens is like the only place. Um, but she loves jujubes. She loves like red hot. It's like these little $1 candies uh, at uh, Walgreens. And for some reason, I have to surprise her. Like I can't, it's a, it's a dollar. And I'm like, no, no, she can't know. It'll ruin the whole thing if she knows. And so I got to get home and I got to set it on the counter and I got to wait for her to, I got to wait for her to be able to walk in, see it, and just hear like this little, she does like this little shriek when she gets really excited. I love it. Um, shrieks don't sound that pleasing, but it's a cute kind of shriek. Uh, and so she does that cute kind of shriek and I'm like, I did it. You know, I feel good. Um, but here's, here's another little goofy thing about this is as much as I love to surprise her, you know what I hate? I hate being surprised. Is anybody else, anybody else that way? Like for some reason, you just love to surprise everybody else, but you, it is the last thing that you want to happen. Don't surprise me. I don't like it. And, and some of you can, you can speculate as to why that is, right? So maybe my counselor can tell me. So it's this thing in me that I'm just like, I don't, I'll tell you what it is. It's this, I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. I'm impatient. I don't like to wait. Um, that's not a good thing. The Lord's working on me. He's sanctifying me, right? So he's, he's working on that patience, but I just don't like to wait. And, and matter of fact, recently uh, we, had this, we had this moment and it was my birthday in October and she was surprising me with something. And here's the deal. When she surprises me, she feels like she really is not able to because I ask so many questions. 
And how many of your kids are like that, right? So basically I'm just a giant, well, not giant, <laughs> but I'm just a kid. I'm an adult kid. And I just ask her all these questions. I'm like, well, what about this? Do you think about that? What, have you thought about this one? And she's just like, stop. Stop asking me questions. You're going to ruin it. I finally feel like I'm going to surprise you and you're going to ruin it. And I got myself into trouble, uh, like seriously, around my birthday. She was upset with me uh, and I totally deserved it because I basically ruined her birthday gift for me that she had been waiting for like two months uh, because I just couldn't shut up and I couldn't stop asking questions because I don't like to wait. Um, and, And, you know, waiting is uncomfortable. Waiting feels inconvenient. I know this because I have a toddler. Uh, and he'll ask me to go outside. Hey, daddy, daddy, can we go outside? I'm like, yes, son, let me put my shoes on. And as I turn to put my shoes on, he's on the ground crying. I'm like, what happened? We're going outside. Just the fact that he has to wait 30 seconds for me to put my shoes on. He's like, that is not, that was not part of the plan. The plan was to go out there right now and you putting on your shoes on, is just gonna take too much time. It's gonna ruin the whole day. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And you know what's crazy is as adults, we're really the same way. It's just that the time period got longer, right? So kids, it's like 30 seconds is too long to me. And let me, I'll talk about myself then. You know, for me, it's like, gosh, I I really do the same thing. I hate waiting. It's just that the time period got longer and it seems more acceptable. And I don't throw myself on the ground anymore. Maybe like once a year, (laughs) Christmas day. No, I'm just kidding. So I don't do that anymore, right? But we, but, but many of us, at least some of us, we, we, like to wait. And maybe, maybe that's you today. And something about waiting is uncomfortable. Something about waiting just kind of nags at us. And I think it's because waiting is not just nothing. Waiting isn't nothing. Waiting is oftentimes filled with anxiety. It's filled with questions. It's filled with doubt, right? So waiting hurts. And I want to challenge you with something today that I, I believe that maybe God is inviting us into waiting. And as much as it hurts and as much as it's uncomfortable, I believe he's inviting us today. He's inviting me, inviting you into waiting. And maybe even take it a step further and say that, what if maybe we were actually created to wait? What if we were created to wait? And our whole lives, we spend trying not to wait. We spend trying to get to the punchline, to the thing that we want, to our desire. We try to get it as quickly as we can. What if God is saying, just wait? Just wait. And as this Advent season begins, um, the first Sunday is about hope, right? And, and, and I get to speak on this, and I know what you're, maybe what you're thinking is, well, what does hope have to do with waiting? What does hope have to do with waiting? And I ask myself the same thing. And Romans 8.25 says this. It says, now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So we hope for what we can't see. And I love this right here. First off, patience, that's what I need. Second off, it says this, you eagerly wait with patience. It sounds like an oxymoron. It sounds really difficult to eagerly wait for something with patience. But scripturally, now I can see that it is completely possible for us to have this inner desire, this longing, like this desire to see something come to pass and still be patient for it. It's even possible, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind you of this, if you're in here and you're feeling anxiety about a situation or something that you've been waiting for, it is okay. It is still possible for you to feel hope. 
And I think in, in church world, sometimes we can feel like if we feel anxiety or we feel doubt or we feel worry, that all of a sudden we think that it's like, well, I guess I can't experience hope. But today I'm telling you, man, in hope, you are waiting. You are waiting. And my first question as I, as I started thinking about hope is, 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 what is it? What is it? Because if I go off of culture's definition, hope has become like positive thinking. It's become changing the way we think so that way you have a more positive outlook on life. Um, it's become self-affirmations and mantras and, and even manifesting your day. Can I just tell you that has no place in the life of a believer? Like this idea of manifesting your day. You don't determine your day. You don't get to, you don't say in the morning, look in the mirror five times and say, you are great. And therefore the universe remembered it. That's not your hope. Your hope is not in saying self-affirming statements. And your hope is in Jesus today, but we're, we're gonna talk about that. But my point is this, is you need a hope that is not existent within yourself. I need a hope that doesn't begin with me. I need a hope that exists outside of me and that is different than just my positive thinking. Positive thinking is fine, but hope is deeper. And the root meaning of hope in, in, in Hebrew language is actually to wait. And then that, that, that is actually taken out of the root word, which means this, tension. So hope is quite literally waiting in tension. And I don't think sometimes when I tell people to have hope, to be honest with you, I'm not saying that to them. <laughs> I'm saying like, hey, just think, think positive. But what scripture's talking about is, no, hope is waiting in tension, having a deeper expectation. And when we think of tension, we think of like, like a cord with tension on it, right? And so you can even look at, look at a cable machine in a gym. Not that I know anything about that, but, but look at a cable machine in a gym. If there is not tension on that cable, there will be no muscle growth. There will be no strength developed. Look at a tow rope. If there is no tension on that tow rope, it's not coming with you. Whatever you're trying to bring, it's not coming. If there's no tension on a pulley, whatever you're trying to lift, it's not going up. So something about tension is important. Something about waiting in tension is developing and actually bringing us or bringing it to us. And, and, and that's why waiting is tense for me. Waiting is uncomfortable. It hurts. I don't like it. And I would, I would dare to say that, that some of us in here today don't like it either. And it's okay. It's okay that we don't like it. But I just believe scripture has something to say about it. And, and what I know is this too, is that in this room, and for those who are worshiping online with us, is that there's a lot of different weights represented. There's a lot of different weights in here today. Some of you may be waiting for a relationship to bud. Some of you may be waiting for your financial situation to turn around. Some of you may be uh, waiting for a house to be on the market longer than five minutes. But some of you may be in here and, and you're, you're waiting for your family situation to turn around. You're waiting for someone to return home. Whether it's a, a father, a mother, a sister, a brother. You're waiting for what feels like overwhelming anxiety to finally lift because it's a battle you've been fighting for years, months, years, however long. And so what's represented in this room today and online is, is many different weights. 
So we're waiting for different things, and that's okay. And I want you to go ahead and flip to Psalm 39. And, and, you know, we're having a couple issues with screens today. So if it's not up, don't worry about it. I'll give you some time to get there, unlike normally. Oops. So Psalm 39, 4 to 7. That's what we're going to be in. And as God is inviting us into this waiting intention today, we can look at David's life. And, and we don't really know exactly the situation going on. At this point, um, we don't know exactly what's happening, but we do know a couple things. One is that his, his enemies are prevalent. His enemies are pointing at him and questioning him and people are questioning him and he's frustrated. And he begins to question like the frailty of life, the temporal nature of life. And so he brings that to God, right? And so we pick up in, in verse four and David says this, Lord, make me aware of my end in the number of my days so that I will know how short-lived I am. In fact, you have made my days just inches long and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapor. Selah. Yes, a person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. Now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. See, in the verse before, David is quiet before his enemies. So his enemies are jabbing, but he, he's not speaking up. And what's really interesting too is that he's even quiet in the midst of the righteous. Like he's not even speaking up about these questions to the good. So who does he bring them up to? He lays it all on the line to the Lord. He says this, this is my frustration. This is, these are my questions. Help me realize the frailty of life. Teach me. I don't need to speak on your behalf. I need you to teach me at this moment. And he even goes as, as far to ask God to give him a deeper awareness of the, the, the temporal nature of his life. I don't know about you, but I, I don't really want a deeper awareness of the temporal nature of my life because then it puts some things into perspective for me some things that I'm anxious over, some things that I really want to see, some things I've been impatient for. If I realize how short life is really in the light of eternity, then it starts to put some things into perspective differently. And he uses this language. He says, human lives are like a vapor at best. At best, they're here and gone. At best. And they're like shifting shadows. They're going here one, one moment, they want this. The next, they want this. The next, they're trying to find satisfaction in this. And so David's saying, show me this about myself. And this is what he says next. This is the brilliant question he asks. But Lord, who do I wait for? Who do I wait for? I see what everybody else is waiting for. I see what they're pursuing. I see what their hope is in. But what do I wait for? And he says, my hope is in God. My hope is in you. So who do I wait for? I wait in tension for God. I wait even in the pain for God. This is the reality of hope, that it is tension. And so the question is today for you and for me, what are you waiting for? And I have a couple things that I believe that we should be waiting for. And the number one is this. Number one is this. Waiting on his presence. 
waiting on his presence. See, my picture of waiting oftentimes is waiting for something. Like I'm, I'm waiting to finally get what I've been longing for. I'm waiting to finally have the gift. I'm waiting to receive it. I'm waiting for God to come through. But waiting on God is different. Waiting on his presence is different. I'm not just finally waiting for him to do what I asked him to do. Waiting on God looks like waiting in his presence and becoming so attuned with his goodness and his mercy and his love and his power and his compassion and more importantly, his character. Like these are things that I need to wait on. And so while we're sitting here waiting for something, let me realize for a second that there are, are, are the character of my God is what I really need to wait on because he needs to produce that in me. He wants to work on me. He wants to shift my heart. He actually wants to give me a new heart, right? So this is the work he wants to do. I, I was with a friend this past week. Uh, we went down to Florida. Um, man, I, we, drove, we drive overnight with our, with our baby, um, Oakland. Some people don't like when I say baby. Sorry, I love her very much. Her name is Oakland. Um, but we drive overnight with her just because she's, uh, she's a screamer. And... Um, <laughs> And unfortunately, she didn't sleep. So driving overnight, and it defeated the purpose. So, you know, that is what it is. Um, but anyways, you get to Florida, and, and we spent some time uh, with, with uh, a family that I consider my family. And it was uh, the dad's birthday, and I'm spending time with their son, who's one of my best friends. And uh, they were going to celebrate at Topgolf. Have you ever celebrated a birthday at Topgolf? Yeah, it's fun. I love Topgolf. Um, let me tell you what I don't do at Topgolf. I don't go hang out at Top Golf without hitting golf balls. Like no one does that. But Connor and I were asked to go, uh, go to Top Golf three hours early to save the bays because we don't want to get bays that are separated from each other. So we had to save the bays. So Connor and I go and I hung out at Top Golf for half the day, not doing Top Golf. Um, and it was really interesting to me. I, like, I feel like people are like, what is this dude, this grown person doing here? Like, they're not at work on a Tuesday. They're hanging out at Top Golf, drinking water. <laughs> and so here they are. Like, what are they doing? They're not playing golf. They're just hanging out. And, you know, I dreaded waiting because, again, I hate to wait. And here we are just waiting for, for three hours. And can I tell you something? That time was great because I spent it with one of my best friends and we talked about life, we talked about marriage, we talked about struggles, we talked about, uh, we talked about jobs, we talked about challenges. And there was something happening in that time that even though I was waiting for something, I got to wait with someone who mattered, someone who I cared about, someone who was gonna refine me as a man, as a believer, as a husband, as a father. Right, so, so this time that I thought I was so fixated on what was to come, I ended up having this special time in the waiting. And that was probably my favorite time of the day were those three hours waiting. So if I could just stop my mind from skipping past the beauty in the wait, something special was happening. And, and this is my question is, what if we turn our waiting time for something into waiting on God? Like, what if we just changed the way we thought when we're waiting for something? And I need this. I need this. I just want you to know, I'm not presenting a question to you that I do not need uh, answered for myself. I do not need to see in my life. I need to get to a place 
or when I'm waiting. And maybe I feel impatience, maybe I feel some anxiety, maybe some discomfort, but I can immediately go, man, I'm, I'm here to wait on God. That's what I'm here for. That's what he has me here for, to wait on his presence at this very moment. And this, this is Psalm 23 to me. This is Psalm 23, to believe that the good shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures, that he leads me beside still waters, that he restores my soul. See, in the waiting, in letting him lead me, in entrusting him to lead me, there is more happening than just getting what I want and getting to where I want to go. He's doing something in me. There is rest happening. There is godly leadership happening in my life. There is restoration happening. And for some of us today, I believe God wants to remind you that he, his leading is not empty activity or noisy movement. And maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but I can tell you this, is that there was a season in my life a couple years ago where I loved to be busy all the time. And the reason why is not just because it made me feel good, it's because I thought it would make other people think I was valuable. If I do enough, if I, if I keep myself so busy that I almost don't have a life, then people will know that my work is valuable. Let me tell you who it didn't help. Didn't help me. Didn't help, didn't help my church. Didn't help my wife. Didn't help my kid. It didn't help anybody because it was just noisy movement. It was just chaos that looked good to me. And the whole time God was inviting me into waiting. He was inviting me into his stillness so I could learn what his voice sounds like, so I could hear from him, so I could be with him, so I could become more like him. And so that's the first point today is this, is, is when you're waiting, wait on his presence. Wait on his presence. Number two is this, waiting for his purpose. Waiting for his purpose. See, in waiting for God, we find something that we all need, which is divine purpose. And I realize that the word purpose has been thrown around so much in the church, and not for bad reason, but it just has. And I think that we've become very numb to what, what purpose really means. And, and, and I know this because as we lead students, guys, we talked about purpose a couple of weeks ago, and the whole small group, it was them saying, yeah, but what is it? But what is my purpose? But what is, but what? They want to know what it is. They've had people tell them what it is. Their whole, well, they've had people tell them they have it. They just don't understand what it is. And when I was young in the church, pastor's kid, everybody came up, you've got a great purpose for your life. I was like, well, can you tell me what it is? I don't want to do the work to find it. It seems difficult. Uh, seriously. And this is what happens when we begin, to, when we just tell people, hey, you've got a purpose. Hey, you've got, this is what happens. A couple things can happen. But one of them is this, is that a person has heard that and they believe it and they struggle to find it. And maybe it takes them years and they never do. And so all of a sudden they believe something's wrong with them because they can't find the purpose that is so clearly shown to everybody else. And they don't feel it. They don't know it. So they begin to doubt themselves and, and they begin to doubt what God is doing in their lives and that he's even moving. But then there's, there's another group, which is the group that you've been told you have purpose and man, you're seeking after it. What is my purpose? And man, they finally feel like they found it. And maybe that purpose isn't being an entrepreneur. Maybe it's in being a, a teacher. Maybe it's being a missionary. Maybe it's in being a florist or a musician, whatever it is. Maybe that's where you found your purpose. 
But let me tell you a problem with that is that if my purpose begins with me, it will only ever be as strong as my day is good. If my purpose starts with me, as soon as I'm challenged, as soon as I'm hurt, as soon as there's a boss who doubts me, as soon as, as there's a coworker who is rude, as soon as there's a, a friend who is hurtful, I begin, my purpose begins to shift because I begin to doubt myself and I'm, I don't understand what to do. I thought this was my purpose, but it seems more difficult now. So what am I supposed to do? Was I wrong in the first place? And so purpose doesn't begin inside of us. It begins outside of us. And so when I'm waiting on God, I'm not waiting on God for my purpose. I'm waiting on God for his purpose. I want to know his purpose because his purpose will become my own. In Ephesians 1 verse 11 in the ESV, it says this. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we, our purpose is his purpose. See, God's God's purpose cannot be prevented. Mine can. My purpose can absolutely be thwarted. But when my purpose is his, No human can take that away from me. Nobody who doubts me or God can take that away from me. No boss, no coworker, no no broken friendship, no no rude, no no someone who seems like an enemy in your life. No one can take that from you because it was not yours to begin with. It's his. And his purposes will always be accomplished. They were here before the foundations of the earth, and they will be here much longer than you and I. And so that's what we tap into. We tap into his purpose for us. And we begin to recognize that purpose once we rest in his presence. And so how can my purpose actually be his? Colossians 3 verse 10. And having put on the new self, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. See, as we are renewed in Christ, we begin to reflect our creator, that's your purpose. That's my purpose, is to reflect my creator. So I hope you can find hope in this today. When you wait in his presence, you will find his purpose and you will begin to reflect his character in your life. You'll begin to reflect his love and his mercy and goodness in your life. And so while your purpose may not be to be an entrepreneur, your purpose is very much so to reflect God in every business venture that you could possibly have, in every interaction with a client that you could have. It is to reflect God, is to reflect his character. While your purpose may not be to be a teacher, it is to reflect God and his character in every interaction you have with a student or a parent or an admin. My my purpose is not to be a pastor. My purpose is to be a child of God. My purpose is to know his purpose and reflect him in anything I do. And I believe that what happens is, I've watched this with young people, especially our young adults, is they get frozen in making decisions because let's say they have like, they have two jobs. They have two jobs in front of them. And this is the the typical thinking, and I used to think this way too, is one is because the enemy wants me to take that one. And the other one is what God wants me to do, but I don't know which one's which. 
So I really need to know exactly what God wants. Let me tell you exactly what God wants. God wants you to reflect his character. So whatever job's in front of you, if you can reflect his goodness in that job, if you can honor him in that job, if you can live for his purpose in that job, it's free to you to decide which one it is. Right? Your calling is to be a child of God, is not to have a title. Or the only title is child of God. Right? So live for his purpose. Don't get caught up in the title, in the vocation. Get caught up in his purposes for you. Right? So that's point number two. Point number three, and this is my final one, is this. Waiting for his provision. Waiting for his provision. Psalm 34 verse 10 says, Young lions lack food. And go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. They will not lack any good thing. So as we wait on his presence, as we wait for his purpose, we will see his provision. You will. I will see his provision. And I'm comfortable enough to tell you I promise that. But here's the distinction. There is a major distinction between the provision I'm expecting and the provision he's providing. And so I can sit here and say, well, God's never provided for me. Well, maybe he didn't provide in the way I wanted him to. But he provides for his children, always. So I promise you that, but it, it might look different than you've been thinking for the last two years or three months. And if I can be honest with you, man, I, I think that I have actually quarreled with God before over the way his provision looked. I've, I feel like I've argued with him. Like internally, I've argued with him because he didn't give me the gift that I thought he was going to give me. He didn't give it. Sometimes he'd give you the same gift, but he gave it to you in a way you didn't want it. Or from people you didn't want it from. And so we don't like it anymore. And what that shows me is that at times we can get so wrapped up in the gift itself that we forget about the one who's giving it in the first place. That he knows what's better. He knows what's for us. You know, I remember uh, being a young kid and uh, I used to get most of, I feel like most of my Christmas presents came from Play It Again Sports. Um, I just, that store is, I don't even know where they are. Any, I think we have one right there, but um, I try not to go in there because it's dangerous. Um, that is like my, I guess my version of, of what Target is to my wife. Um, that's like Play It Again. I walk in to Play It Again. It's like, I need every used piece of sports equipment even though I'm washed up completely. Um, and, uh, and so anyways, I, I would go in there and, and uh, there was this really nice snowboard. I can't remember how old I was, but I was much younger. And uh, there was this really nice snowboard and I wanted it. It was a Mara snowboard. It looked really good. Um, and I told my parents, this, this is the one that I need. This is the snowboard that I need. And uh, they're like, but look at these ones. And over on the side of the store, where there's like cobwebs and it's dark hallway. Um, there's like this dinky little package of snowboards. They're like three feet long, plastic. Your feet just kind of slide in them. They don't, you can't actually bind them in. And they're like, these ones, that will serve your purpose. And I was like, I can't, I need the real thing. I'm like Sean White, you know, like I, I have, have I ever snowboarded a day in my life at this point? No, but I know I'm there. I know I'm there. And so, um, there's some serious arrogance at this point. Uh, and, and so, man, Christmas Day, uh, I go to open up what I think 
what I'm hoping, tension, waiting. Um, what I'm hoping is that snowboard and I open it up. It is the dinky thing. And they got me that plastic piece, man. And I did not want it. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you this though, I, I covered it up really well. If you had that moment recorded, um, I probably didn't, but I'm going to remember it as I covered it up really well. And I was like, wow, thank you guys. You know, your voice goes higher because you're lying. Um, it's like, wow, guys, thank you so much. Um, and, uh, and you know, it was funny. I, I tried to be grateful, but my dad, he ended up uh, bringing me to uh, our, our basement. He's like, you know, are you okay? Is that the one you wanted? I was like, yeah, I can. that one's great. It's great. And he's like, what about this one? And he, he lifts up the real board. He, he got me, yeah, yeah, he got me, he got me that real moral board. And I was so excited and I was going to go tear up our hill. Uh, and man, listen, there's not really a moral of this story. I just wanted to tell you. Um, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. How many times do you think I actually use that on a real mountain? Once. So they spent all this money on a nice snowboard for me to go on a real mountain one time and just eat snow the entire time. <laughs> like full speed, can't control, didn't know how to carve. Friend brought me down a black diamond on purpose, destroyed. Um, so that snowboard is not what I needed. Uh, if if, uh, if they hadn't got me that, I probably would have never went to that mountain and, and ate it so many times. But um, but this is, this is the point of this, is that I thought I knew what I needed. I thought I knew the provision I needed. But my dad, you know, he, he ended up getting me the other one anyway because he was just that kind. Uh, but he knew what I, all I needed was that dinky thing. Um, but this is what I believe today is that, that God knows the provision you need. He knows it. He knows it. He's the author of it. And more importantly, he knows the provision you need for his purposes. And that's where we need to align our lives to remember why. So the provision I need is for his purpose. It's not, it's not for my liking all the time. Matthew 6 verse 31 says this. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. See, so pagans are trying to earn. They're trying to earn from their gods to, to, to give them good gifts. If they do enough, if they do the right thing, if they pray enough times or at the right time, then they'll get this in response. Unbelievers chasing material gain. And this is what's important for us all to hear today. You do not have to earn provision from your father. You don't have to earn provision from your father. You be the child. You be the one that puts faith in him. You be the one that trusts in him. I'll be that too. And know that he knows what provision we need and that he will give it. Romans 5, 10 through 11. This is the ultimate provision. This is it. So if we're ever doubting, does he provide? Here it is right here. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more? Having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Can we not be a church that forgets about the power of the cross in our lives? That somehow it's become a practical tool to get us what we want. 
somehow has become a practical tool to, to help us have political motivations. Man, can we just scratch all that stuff and say, what is my purpose? Where is my provision? Where does it come from? It comes from the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus that he has provided for me, that he has restored me back to God. And so some of you may be in here today or watching today and you're sitting, you're going, I don't, I don't have hope. All I have is anxiety. I've got depression. I've got frustration. I've got all these things. Guess what? So did David. And I want you to hear that today. So did David. He was frustrated. He was questioning. Man, if you feel like you cannot hurt and follow Jesus at the same time, just go read through the Psalms. You pick any of them. I don't care. It's all throughout it. Pain and trusting God. God, where are you? I will trust you. Those two questions can exist at the same time. And your hope today is not in well, but what I wanted us to focus on today was that we can find joy in the waiting. We can find joy in the tension, in the discomfort of waiting, saying it's not here yet. But you know what is here? His presence, his purpose, and his provision is here already. And so I want to experience that today. I want to experience that for the rest of my days. I want my family to experience that. This Christmas season, what would it look like if, if we taught kids to not just wait on gifts, but just wait on the Lord, wait on his presence, wait on who he is, wait on what he wants for your life how he's moving, right? We, we can't just want the good gifts. We need to want our father. We need to want our father. And I, and I wanna start, I wanna start doing that uh, even better than I have. And I hope I can lead uh, in any way that I can, um, lead in the love for Jesus and the trust for Jesus and the hope in the Lord that Jesus is my hope. When everything else fails, I have it. I have hope in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your presence. I thank you for your purpose. And I know that there are people in here today, God, who do not believe they have purpose and they've struggled to find it. And I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would calm that storm. Your Holy Spirit would calm their minds and reassure them that they don't have to find it, that you're gonna give it to them. You will give them your purpose. And Lord, help us, help us wait on your provision in our life and help us see the goodness of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus to set us free. That we walk from victory and in victory, not for it, not for it. We're living in victory as is because of what you've already done. So I thank you for that continue to move in this church in a powerful way, Lord, that we would see your Holy Spirit renewing people, making people brand new, setting a new future for them, providing them with a brand new purpose that is greater than what they've been living for, greater than a job, greater than a title, and even greater than the purpose of some of us find so much comfort and identity in being a father or a mother or a family member, Lord, help us see that family is not our main purpose. 
being your child is our main purpose. Only then, when we recognize that we are your child first, only then can we lead a family or be a part of a family the way you've called us to. So help us find hope in that today. In Jesus' name, amen.